When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket with me, Simon Hughes. And me, Simon Mann. Have you slightly accessorised your Christmas decorations on your bookcase? Because last (laughs) time I sort of thought it looked like weeds, but now there's a few flowers there as well. So you've made it, you've you've dressed it up a bit. I'm, I'm impressed. No, I think I've just got a different angle of my computer, Yoz. So you're just looking at a slightly different image. That, that's all it is. <laughs> the Christmas decorations. The Christmas decorations are going up downstairs. I brought the tree in yesterday. If it was me, I wouldn't have a tree. I think it's a waste of time. <laughs> but I wouldn't have. Mind you, I wouldn't have Christmas. So you know that. that, that you old Scrooge. You old but, Scrooge. But I go along. I go along with it. I go along with it because. I love my family, and they think Christmas is important, so mm. I go along with no, it. That's very good. Very noble of you. So um, <laughs> it's been a sort of mixed week for for the England men and women. England men obviously have lost the series against the West Indies, 2-1. But the England women, are 2-0 up in the T20 series in India, um, could do a clean sweep today. So impressive from the England women. England men, depressing story really, Simon, isn't it? Um, I only watched half the game. Uh, because I was playing cricket myself yesterday at one of the sixes installations around the country. These indoor nets which have a bar attached and possibly the bar is more attractive than, than, than the cricket. But it's good fun playing cricket in these indoor cages against a, a variety of different bowlers. I'll talk about that in a bit and my hopeless attempts to score runs in, in one of these sixes installations. But England's attempts to score runs in the Caribbean has been fraught with problems and I feel yesterday they perhaps just didn't get enough runs and the team batting second as they have each time in this series has won. Yeah I I watched the whole game I I thought the the game was won and lost basically in the first 10 overs of the match it was a good toss to win I think for West Indies there'd been some rain around in Barbados the last two or three days and there was rain on the 
the morning and early afternoon of the game as well. So it started late, started two hours late. It was an extremely long day for everyone in, involved in the match. And we'll come on to that in, in just a moment. But it's good toss to West Indies to win. England fell in a heap in the power play. Uh, inside 10 overs, they were 49 for five. Butler caught first ball at fine leg. Harry Brook ran himself out. A bit of hesitation, a bit of help from Alzari Joseph. It was a very good piece of fielding. They recovered, but yeah, they were probably, I thought at the time, 40, 50 runs short. If they got another 40 or 50, then yeah, I think then the pressure really would have been on West Indies. And it was at one stage as well with Will Jacks picking up three wickets. But that Romario Shepherd, he can strike a very clean ball and he kept his nerve as he did in the first game. And ultimately, West Indies uh, ran out quite comfortable winners, actually 14 balls left. Four wickets. They were under pressure, but it was a pretty solid performance by uh, West Indies. They they got the job done, I think. Yeah, I wonder if um, obviously Duckworth Lewis had a, a part to play because the West Indies target was adjusted because of the a, a rain interruption. I wonder if they if Duckworth Lewis can also accommodate a due factor because it, it looked a little bit easier batting second. Ball slid onto the bat a bit more as we've talked about endlessly at the World Cup. But I'm not sure that Duckworth Lewis is able to incorporate that into its calculations, is it? Well, when we get AI and Duckworth Lewis combining eventually, we, they might be able to do it you know, in about five, ten years' time when AI takes over the world. But I, I take your point. I, you know, sometimes you win a good toss, don't you? And I, I think West Indies did. They made the most of it. I thought England's batting, they didn't, they're not quite canny enough. I think they're still, they're still, I think sometimes in T20 mode in one day international cricket, when I think you need to get that, that balance right. I mean, Phil Salt going really hard at the ball in the first over, it was caught at mid-off, off the youngster, Matt Ford, 21 years of age. Those of you who haven't seen him, by the way, and I can understand how the game might have passed a lot of people by him and it finished about quarter past two in the morning in the UK and there was all that rain around so Matt Ford 21 years of age he's from Barbados you know, medium fast rather than you know he's not an express bowler but he bowled in the channel got a bit of bounce and England succumbed to him and, and Salt was the, the first to go Crawley tried to leave one outside the off stump that bounced a bit and took the glove that surprised him Crawley just sort of pushing out a bit it's a really odd dismissal actually it's worth going away and having a look at it sort of dismissal you don't see very often Jack's looking to run one down to deep third. The ball's in the channel. And Nick through to the keeper. And then, you know, Butler out pulling and, and Brooke that, that run out. So, you know, f- five down early on. And, th- and that that was the issue. I mean, I, t- I take your point about Duckworth Lewis. It was, it, it was such a frustrating day. The delay and then, you know, reduced to 43 overs. And then it was reduced after another rain break to 40 overs. And then we had more rain. And it was eventually reduced to 34 overs. West Indies had to get 188 to win in 34 overs. And, you know, when you're chasing, if you like, the sh- it does feel sometimes, doesn't it, despite that with Lewis, the shorter the chase, the more concentrated you can be. You've got all those wickets in, in hand, those resources in hand. It does feel as though it still just favours the side uh, batting second, especially when there is some dew around. And Jax was getting the ball to spin, but when the ball was going you know, off the square... You know, it was being thrown back to him and he's having to dry the ball every time. So uh, overall now, um, to look at England's record since the Joss Butler partnership with Matthew Mott was established in July last year, they've played, I think, 30-odd games. Um, they've lost 18 and won 13. That's a pretty poor record, isn't it? Um, obviously exacerbated by 
losing six games out of nine at the World Cup. But it does, I suppose it tells a story, doesn't it? That England have come back into the pack as a one-day side. And funnily enough, I was thinking uh, we covered a game, a one-day game in Barbados, probably five or six years ago in that period when England was so good and were breaking world records in Barbados. And I remember uh, uh, Alex Hale smashed a absolutely brilliant hundred in Barbados and West Indies collapsed and you know were way out of it there was sort of 90 all out or something so it it was it, that was indicative of how good England were then and now seeing them beaten by the West Indies 2-1 do they just look a mediocre side don't they and it, it's kind of slightly depressing to see really well that that was 2017 but just bear in mind England went to West Indies in 2019 which is not long before the World Cup which of course they they won and actually they didn't beat the West Indies in that one day international series as well so you know there probably needs to be some context around this series you know England are trying to reinvent themselves West Indies are trying to reinvent themselves as well I mean they had a really bad time of it they didn't even qualify for the World Mm. Cup I mean that's if you like that's how low England have have gone you know they've lost a series to a team that didn't qualify for the World Cup. But, you know, West Indies have got some talented cricketers and they, they showed that in the in the match yesterday. You know, the likes of uh, Shepard and Athenaise uh, and also Carty as well, although he did drop a couple of catches. He played some really nice shots in his, his half century. You know, so England, England recently actually haven't done that well in the Caribbean full stop, have they? I mean, it ended Joe Root's captaincy of the Test match team. You know they they lost the last T20 series they played there. So you know West West Indies, they they have got some talent, and it's it's sort of about marshalling it, isn't it really? And and they do seem in the Caribbean for England. They do seem a you know particularly mm. tough. And to England, crack. meanwhile, you look at their bowling. You know we still think that the batting is pretty good, isn't it? Uh, you know Salt and Jacks are quite like as an opening pair. You know, Crawley, Duckett have proved themselves in Test cricket, and there's no reason why they shouldn't be a good three and four. Maybe augmented by Root, um, obviously. You know, and then you've got Harry Brook and, and and Josh Butler. So it really is. I reckon it's a decent top six. I just worry about the bowling. And yesterday, Gus Atkinson, promising bowler, undoubtedly inexperienced, hasn't played that much fifty over cricket. Uh, you know, doesn't look quite as if he's got that ability at the death. Some knee-high full tosses. We've all done it. Bowling at the death, bold knee-high full tosses. It's easily done. I'm not sure he's quite figured out yet how to to be more effective at the death. And you, I think you need to play a lot of games actually to to figure out. You need to sort of premeditate a bit. You need to be able to see a, ter- a certain type of batsman and how he's going to play, and that requires a bit of experience. A, a bit more variety. I um, mean, actually, you know, uh, bowling Yorkers is difficult. You know, you're going to have days when it works and days when it doesn't. But I think you have to have a sort of go-to default method as well. What I found useful was trying to lower my arm a little bit when I bowled Yorkers. So instead of bowling, you know, perpendicular arm right, bolt upright, bowling a slightly slingier type of delivery where even if you didn't get the York quite right, even if it was a half volley or even a low full toss, it wouldn't bounce up onto the middle of the bat so much because your trajectory is a little bit lower. And at the moment, Atkinson has a high action, a good action, nice rhythmical approach. But sometimes you need to sort of... I mean, think of Lassith Malinga. 
he was obviously an extreme version of bowling at the death. But because of his arm being so low when he bowled, even if he missed his Yorker, it wasn't that easy to hit for runs because it was it was arriving all, all hitting the bottom of the bat. And th- that's something that England need to find, a way of somebody bowling those more consistent... The, the Yorker is, is not as... Um, you know, reliable uh, a run restrictor as it was in my day, because batsmen have got so many more options. But it still is, I think, the best ball if you can mix it up with a few other things. You know, a slower ball bouncer. Um, uh, you know, the odd kind of slower ball. It, it's going to work more often than any other ball. But you need to be able to get it effectively and consistently. Well, Gus Atkinson, for those of you who didn't watch the game, was brought back into the attack after the spinners had done really well. They got England back into the game with Jacks of the four. West Indies needed 33 or four overs with four wickets left. It doesn't actually sound a lot, but the way the game was going, it felt the pressure was building on them because they were in a much stronger position. It was a runner ball from about 70 runs to win. Uh, but England were chipping away at the wickets and Atkinson came back and he bowled. I don't know whether he was looking for a Yorker. I don't know whether the ball slipped out a bit. You know, we talked about the fact that it was a bit greasy and Jax was having to to dry the ball. So perhaps the ball just wasn't, you know, totally dry. It might just have slipped out. He, he basically bowled, as, as you mentioned, yours, two sort of knee-high full tosses. And Romario Shepherd said, thank you very much indeed. It's, you know, it was like putting a chocolate cake in front of me. You know, that knee-high full toss for Romario Shepherd was just pumped over the deep mid-wicket boundary, and that was basically game over. And he actually, him and his partner, took 24 off that over, and it was just game over. It did feel quite tense, actually. The, the game, it was, it was sort of like a really sort of slow build-up throughout the day. The game taking, you know, eight and three-quarter hours from the from the scheduled start time to finish. Eight and three-quarter hours for 72 overs. Uh, but at the at the end, Shepard was just a bit too good, and and. Atkinson, yeah, a tough lesson, really. Uh, you know, I, I think England generally thought they were in with a chance going into those uh, closing overs. You, you know, you could see they were t- they were really scrapping hard. It reminded me a bit of Pakistan trying to beat South Africa in the World Cup in Chennai. They really fought hard, tooth and nail. You know, it was one of those. You know, if, okay, if they're going to win, they are not going to win easily. We're going to push them right to the end, and then suddenly that over bang and it was all gone and West Indies celebrating one comfortably look at it 14 balls to spare so yeah I mean you look at that England bowling attack it doesn't it you know it doesn't look uh you know potentially it's all you know a world cup winning bowling attack well certainly not now but you know four years time but then you know you know bowlers improve don't you and that, you know, the other thing as well that you know some bowlers go out and some bowlers come in you know and you suddenly think oh yeah that's the solution you know you find someone different we were talking about Sam Curran the other day of course and talk about his position in the side suddenly he comes back and takes three wickets and you know in, in that second game and England win comfortably don't they it was a, actually they were an easy knockoff for England they you know won the game 32 overs chasing you know around about 200 to win but they're back in form and Brooke making runs as well it, it it's on the day isn't it so much on the day so yesterday England didn't perhaps have the best of the conditions but West Indies uh, made the most of it and it wasn't, it wasn't a great showing from England, but they did fight hard. So we park the 50-over game now, don't we? Uh, well, we till, do for like for a for long about, time. September, well, I think, isn't it? The next one. Well, 
I mean, there's some logic in that, isn't there, really, mm. when you think about it? Because the, the next big competition is the World T20 in West Indies in June. And actually, this this five-match T20 series that's coming up starting this week is actually far more relevant, isn't it? I, I think this one-day series had some relevance because of what happened in the World Cup. So everyone was going like, OK, how are they, how are they going to be able to turn it around? You know, they, what, you know what, what's, that, what's their selection going to be like? You know, what are their new options going to be like? Well, it's actually gone a bit flat, hasn't it? They've lost 2-1. But really... You know, the next World Cup is four years away. The Champions Trophy is a couple of years away. It really is about T20 cricket now, and that's what England are going to focus on between you know now and next June. The next one-day international that England are going to play is against the world champions. Australia, in September, they're over for a series at the end of the English summer. Hmm. Yes, yeah, so T20 for the men uh, starting next week, five games, and also uh, for the women too, uh, final T20 uh, against India today. Um, we we won't uh, dwell too long on, on Indi- uh, England's performances in that because our sister podcast, Storylines, is covering that final game with Melissa Story and Nikki Chowdhury. Uh, you can listen to that later on today, Sunday. Um, it's uh, the decider. Well, it's not the decider because the, the, the match, the series is already decided, but it's the third match of the series. England uh, making nearly 200 in the first game and then bowling India out for 80 in the second game and knocking the runs off both matches in the Wankhede Stadium. Uh, star performers including Sophie Eccleston and obviously Nat Siver Brunt and Danny Wyatt. Uh, they all featured well. Amy Jones made some runs. Uh, bowling seemed to have been really effective. Uh, the spinners doing well. Charlie Dean... Sophie Eccleston and others. So a good all-round performance, that, isn't it, by, by England, those two matches? Yeah, excellent. And the, the test match to come as well. So they've got T20s and a, a test match coming up. It'll be fascinating to see uh, how that game uh, pr- progresses. So, yeah, all going swimmingly for England's women, not, not so much uh, for the men. Of course, England are, are building, England women are building towards their own World T20, which is in Bangladesh. Uh, next year. It's a long way off, actually, but uh, it's, it's certainly been a good start. Now, NordVPN is the fastest virtual private network out there. One click and your online privacy is protected and it's an open sesame to a new world of content and opportunity. So when I was at the Cricket World Cup in India recently, getting thoroughly depressed covering England, and that depression has slightly continued, I used NordVPN to watch England at the Rugby World Cup in France until, well, England got knocked out of that as well, although it did well to keep going, actually, and, and went on, in, kept in that competition longer than all of us were expecting. But also, NordVPN protected my private data, like bank details, passwords, and online identity, when I was using public Wi-Fi, for instance. And you can switch your virtual location to access cheaper flights, hotels, or other deals wherever you are in the world, all on the NordVPN app, which costs the same per month as a cafe latte. To grab our huge discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash AIC. That stands for Analyst Inside Cricket. Our code will also give you four additional months for free on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit nordvpn.com slash AIC to find out more and open the door to a galaxy of content. After the break, we're going to talk about the time that these one-day matches take, and the introduction of a stop clock. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, 
Sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So while the England One Day International was going on in Bridgetown, as I said earlier, I was actually playing cricket myself in Six's installation at Westfield Shepherd's Bush. Uh, it was a little event set up by the, the Virtual Cricket Club, which we put together together worldsbestcc.com world's best cricket club uh, modestly named and it was a little event to get some of those members together to have a go at facing various bowlers from around the world almost in virtual reality you see them run up on a screen I'm sure that plenty of our listeners will have have been to one of these 60s installations but just to describe it it's basically a bar with cricket cages built in there's about four of them and you go in and you select your level and then you face a, a, a bowler running up on a screen. And as the bowler is about to release the ball, the ball comes out of a, a hole and fires, fires it at you. It's a soft ball, so it can't injure you, thank God. And you can change or vary the levels, the standard of bowling you're facing. Um, so it's quite annoying, actually, that this group of cricket fans that we'd assembled from the World's Best Cricket Club... They kept changing the level when I went into bat to professional or even world class. What, without you knowing? Well, then I did know, but it was like, no, no, you can't face anything. You can't face the club level or the amateur level. You've got to face world class. So I'm facing sort of Mitchell Johnson. Did they never, did they never watch the, you bat when you were, when I mean, you were younger? I, yes. I tell you, I, I couldn't let I, half the time, especially with the leg spinner that was bowling a sort of Rashid Khan stuff, I couldn't lay a bat on it. It looked as if it was going to be a leg break and it kept being a googly and kind of cutting me up. I was hitting the the, the, not the nods. I was hitting the nads a couple of times. You know, um, I did manage to hit Mitchell Johnson with two straight fours, is all I can say. But otherwise, um, it was pretty poor show. And I, I, I didn't help matters by wearing... We were told to wear Christmas jumpers. I didn't have a Christmas jumper, so I wore my Durham shirt from 1992, which looks very retro now, obviously. And um, that just advertised the fact that I shouldn't have even batted at number 11 for Durham, really. Was your bowling up there, Yoz? Some people would have tucked into that, surely, wouldn't they? Did they say that? that can we, have, we don't want Mitchell Johnson, we want Simon Hughes bowling. Yeah, that's, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, all those I reckon, my slower ball, I reckon my slower ball might have foxed a few people. But anyway, it's quite good fun. And there are, I notice now there are 10 sixes installations round uh, the country. A couple in London, Oxford, Leicester, Manchester, Birmingham. They're really quite... Uh, probably a good way of sort of having a bit of fun with your mates, but also actually testing your skills as well, mm, because yeah. they are genuine deliveries he's coming out, and it gives you a sort of sense of how difficult it is to face a leg spinner, for instance. Yeah. I, I think the next step of that, and I think something I would have loved when I was you know, playing a bit younger, was actually to, to have you know, proper you know, padded up, hard ball facing up to these 
these guys. I mean, they they do do that, don't they? There's a facility at Loughborough that allows the pros to to do that. I think that would be quite fun for club cricketers as well, just to see what it's like, because it's so interesting for for club players, which is which was what I was. You know, I mean, I had a go once against Darren Goff and Dominic Cork, and it was just fascinating to come up against them and see what that was like in an indoor net. You know, the ball just zipping through, even though they weren't, you know, they weren't running in at, you know, full tilt or anything like that. It was some sort of publicity, some sort of PR thing I was in, involved in. But it was interesting to face them. You know, that was with pads, yeah. helmet, and you know, gloves, everything on. I mean, it, you're absolutely right. Of course, the, 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 the one thing that these sixes installations lack is the fear factor. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yes, you can be uh, humiliated by all your mates watching you play and miss, but there's no danger of you actually being injured. Uh, and that was the thing, you know, when you face those guys, mm. uh, Darren Goff and Alan Donald and all those other great fast bowlers. I mean, there, there there is definitely a fear factor. You you are scared, not actually not necessarily being hit on the head, but just being whacked on the gloves or hitting the ribs or actually looking a complete idiot with your off stump being knocked out of the ground. Um, it 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 is quite a, an alarming, apprehensive, anxious sort of feeling facing those fast bowlers, which in a an installation with softballs you just mm. don't get. Yeah. But it's still quite realistic in ju- in terms of the actual ball coming down, especially facing spin. You see the ball dip towards you and then bite and, and spin away. And it does make it, you, you realise how difficult it is to face these guys. Mm. Yeah, inevitably Dominic Court bowled me a bouncer. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> he was, and he, and gave you a glare afterwards, so you don't get that bit, do you? Well, he, yeah, it's all glare and then a smile. But I mean... He couldn't. He just couldn't. Res- he said, "I just couldn't resist it." He said, "What's the point of being in the net if I'm not going to bowl you a bank?" So I ended up on my backside. But it was it was interesting, you know, facing them, and it's it 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 just shows you the huge golf. I think, or just shows you. I think what it is is more that 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 zip, you know, that you you don't get in club cricket. Um, suddenly the ball's on you, and it, you know, where's that come from? How's that happened? It, but I I suppose it's one of those things that if you actually, you know, if you set the bowling machine up at eighty miles an hour. Uh, and g- gradually, you just get you do get used, used to the to ball it. coming off, don't you? Your reflexes mm. improve, and I, I, th- I think you know that that's definitely true. And it's, in a mm. way, it's sort of one of the benefits of bowling machines, indoor nets. You know, b- batters can actually go out and they can groove their game. They can. Im- I, I mean, it's not something you want to do all the time as a batter, but it, I think it definitely improves your reflexes if you're going to have to face against face you know, quick bowling. Now, definitely, um, the, the, the one other thing about the, the sixes, is, which is good, is that you get regular balls that are bowled every 20 seconds or so. There's not much time to stand around and wait for the next ball. It's loaded up and, and out it comes. And that, that leads me on to sort of looking at the way uh, one-day cricket is played. And you said this match in, in the Caribbean yesterday took eight and a half hours eight, eight and three quarter hours from the scheduled yes. start to the actual finish yeah and yeah. that was a that, you know that was a game that lasted 72 overs as well so uh, the stop clock idea which is being introduced for the England games the T20 games against the West Indies is a good one I noticed that you know, as we spoke the other day there's a minute allowed between overs which I think is too long mm-hmm. but It'll be interesting to see how it works. You know, I I suppose, you know, we've drawn a a veil over England's 50-over performances and there's no 50-over cricket, international cricket now for them until September. I wonder whether actually 50-overs is just too long anyway now, really. I mean, you sort of feel that 40-overs would be a better length of time. Mm. There's 
10 overs at the end of the game, each innings, when you put all the men back on the boundary, five fielders are allowed out for the last 10 overs. Why don't you just bring that back to 30 overs and just have 30 to 40 and then 40 overs and you're done and it's it's not going to last an interminable time well well this is one of my points i that mate i was thinking about this you know because i was following the game yesterday and it's i think it's all it's always frustrating for players what you know spectators broadcasters those you know the companies that are broadcasting it as well you know the television companies radio companies when the game is um delayed at the start by rain you know you just want to get on with the game don't you and yesterday's game was delayed by two hours so they only lost 14 overs so basically there was a, you can make up an hour but actually is that really what you want do, do do spectators do anybody really does anybody want that extra hour added on wouldn't it be just better just to reduce the overs and we're so used to 2020 cricket now aren't we we, we, we are used to reduced overs games what is the obsession with still having a, a 50 over match that starts an hour later you know it's a long it's a long day anyway a one day international isn't it, it you know they, they last longer than any other form of the game you know test match day much longer than a test match day so why sort of extend the day for spectators who there's mm. no, i wouldn't you know is there a sort of great desire for to still have a 50 over match i think you know if, if it rains mm. just just keep reducing the overs and that would be a, a better way. But I mean, I, I thought it was interesting yesterday just because of the way it worked and the, and the start time. So it was a day-night match in Barbados. And I don't think, I don't remember England playing a day-night one-day international in the Caribbean before. So it started at half past five UK time, which is, okay, fine for the early overs, the first innings for UK TV. But it's not great, actually, for UK TV, is it? Who presumably play a reasonable amount for the rights. I, I mean, you know, rights are the big issue, aren't they? Here, TV money especially in countries like the Caribbean and South Africa, they really make a huge difference to that country. I, I think I read the other day that the, the India series coming up in South Africa is going to make up for all South, cricket South Africa's losses over the last three or four years because of the, you know, the amount they pay in, in TV rights. So it is actually sort of, sort of about the overseas broadcaster you know, wanting their sort of pound of flesh and wanting it to be in their... Time zone, and I, time I, I don't yeah. think you know. For, it wouldn't have been very good for TNT Sports yesterday for that game to have finished at, at quarter past two in the morning. You think well domestically, you know, spectators. Well, it was a Saturday, so you'd think that most people would have been free to go along anyway. There was a good crowd there. There was a good crowd. Whether that was because it was a day nighter, I don't know. I mean, perhaps people can go to the beach in the morning, then go to the cricket in the afternoon. That might have been the the feeling behind it. Anyways, it was just a strange configuration of, mm. of, of timings yesterday. And of course, we're going to see this again, aren't we, in the T20 World Cup? Because I imagine that most of India's games are going to start at something like 10 in the morning in the, in the Caribbean, simply because mm. that is prime time in India for their, yeah. for their matches. Yeah. In fact, I was talking to the head of Star Cricket, Star TV, the other host broadcaster in India during the World Cup, about the World Cup, the World T20, and and how they were going to schedule it, uh, because as you rightly say, they want to sp to put it on at prime time in India as the biggest market, and that means it's going to be morning time in the Caribbean and the, and, and obviously in America. So there's a ten hour time difference between say Mumbai and Bridgetown, Barbados. Yeah, or not nine and a half hours. Nine something and a half like hours, that. exactly. Mm. So the, the the difficulty, the, the dilemma is. That if they do stage these matches at prime time in India, which will be nine ten in the morning in the Caribbean or America, then they probably struggle to get a crowd. Uh, so it's going to be empty grounds, but big TV audiences. It's a trade off, isn't it? 
then they might have to do you know rent a crowd or something to get those matches to have a bit more um, excitement. And it, it, it's funny because somebody was asking me the other day how much control do the ICC and Star TV have over the TV coverage. And one of the things that you do get told, or the director gets told, is if it's a, a big game and it's a half-empty stadium, which some of the uh, World Cup matches in India were, don't show the empty bit. <laughs> you know, make sure we see uh, a bit with lots of crowd rather than sh- showing empty stands. Because you know, watching uh, those first two matches in Antigua that have just gone, you know, which was almost deserted, it, it does give a sort of inferior feel to the game doesn't it feels like a a a non-event really even though obviously the players are trying hard and actually a crowd lifts the the players as well to a higher level of performance so it's quite important to get that that right in June isn't it to somehow marry that that demand between getting the highest TV audience but also having an event which actually has a crowd at it yeah, the, the the point being, of course, the World T20 in the West Indies will look good on TV in the evening under lights, won't it? We, we, we're used to you know, night cricket, especially for something like T20, and the IPL is sort of built on it. Uh, but the problem with that is for, for the Indian audience, that'll be, I don't know, I did the sums off the top of my head, it'll you know, be like four in the morning or something. And so that will not happen. It simply will not happen for India's matches, Pakistan's matches, you know, for, for the matches involving the Asian team. So you, you, you do risk that sort of empty ground look that it, it doesn't... It, it, so you have this really weird situation where not many people are watching in the ground, potentially, unless you know, people travel. It may be they travel. And you know, the games in the United States, there will be India, you know, local Indian supporters who will go along, I presume. That, that'll be interesting, actually, to see where India play, whether they decide to play uh, India's matches in the United States, because that's where the biggest domestic audience is going to be as well, as well as being able to marry it up with a, a huge TV audience back at home. But you, know, you do risk that... Sort of empty ground, but massive audience on on TV, and that's you know that that that, that is, there is that trade off with with cricket. It's, it's it's the nature of the beast. And you you think back to the last World Cup that was played in the Caribbean in two thousand and seven. Once India and Pakistan got knocked out in the early stages, I mean the the tournament just completely fell flat on its face, and the, and the crowds were were really poor. There were lots of Indian Pakistan supporters who were supposed to be coming to the Caribbean for the later stages for the Super Six or Super Eight stage, whatever it was, back in two thousand and eight, and they all cancelled. They didn't, you know, the people didn't come, so the the, the tournament really fell flat. So it, it it's it's not an easy it's not an easy balance to. To get right, you you do want crowds, but of course, TV audience absolutely vital as well because of, you know because of the finances of the game. Well, I wonder what crowds we're going to get for these T20 matches in the Caribbean. The first one is Tuesday evening at Bridgetown Barbados. Uh, it's a 10 p.m. start English time, so probably not many of us are going to be staying up to watch that. And then there's uh, uh, four matches to follow, two in St George's. And actually, a couple of uh, new venues I've I've not that familiar with. Taruba. Yeah, that's in Trinidad. That's the Brian Lara Stadium in 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 Trinidad. So they're not playing at the Queen's Park Oval. It's about an hour down the motorway, I think, down the the, the south of the island. Yeah, it's, it's a venue I've I've not been to before. So yeah, a couple of games in Grenada, St George's in Grenada, and then off to uh, Trinidad to to finish the tour and home for the England players just before Christmas. And they'll be probably quite relieved. 
I'd imagine, actually. Uh, sometimes, that, that, I mean, it's been a bit relentless, hasn't it? I mean, obviously, if you're at the World Cup and then straight to the Caribbean without much of a break and, and these, what is it, um, eight matches in the Caribbean in total for those who play 50 and T20. So it's been quite a long haul. And if you don't win, it seems even longer. Yeah. So I'm sure they'll be looking forward to getting back. Anyway, we'll be back to cover uh, an assortment of those games next week. And don't forget, as I said also, storylines covering both the final England women's T20 in India and also the Test match to follow. And just one final thing we should touch on. We talked about sort of spectator experience uh, in, in this podcast. What about that calling off in Australia, in, in the Big Bash? I and mean, that is a very damaging thing to happen to your competition. The the Adelaide Strikers game was rained off yesterday. So over the weekend, you know, no cricket or very little cricket at all. The game played in Geelong today. They had about sort of five or six overs and they decided that the pitch was just unfit for that level of cricket. The ball was going through the top, taking uh, pieces out. So, yeah, not a great start really uh, for the big bash. Uh, when that, I mean, mm. Obviously, you can't control the rain. That happens, doesn't it? But you can control getting the pitch right, and that feels like a bit of an own goal. That doesn't happen very often, but it happens from time to time. Of course, a test match was was called off. A couple of test matches have been called off in the Caribbean, haven't they, uh, in, in, you know, in the 21st uh, century. But it's it's unusual for it to happen. But it, it did happen in Geelong. It's one of the outgrounds for the, the Melbourne Stars. Yeah, and it just shows how precarious the life of a groundsman is, actually, because that whole uh, ability to balance the needs for uh, a match to be a contest between bat and ball, but yet not too much in favour of one or the other, and weather conditions affecting your preparation and all that, my goodness. You know, you take one millimetre's grass off the pitch and it, it totally changes its uh, its behaviour. So. Uh, well done to groundsmen who've managed to get their pitches in order consistently really and all power to their elbow and their mowers I suppose and their rollers okay well with that thought we'll leave you and we'll be back in midweek thanks for listening goodbye for now Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.